0: Welcome to another episode of the Trans-Questioning Podcast. I think this is number 17. I'm your host, Sarah, and it's a good day to... What the fuck am I... Oh, jeez. I'm two seconds in and it's already a mess. This is April 11th at 5.56 p.m. This is the day that this episode is supposed to have come out. I am actually exactly 12 hours late at this point upon recording. So if you're listening to this, I mean, chances are you're hearing it A long time after it's come up, so the uh, the lateness is irrelevant to you. It's always funny for me when I'm going through archives and they're like, "Sorry, this episode's late," or "Hey, we've got a live show coming up," and it's like, "Oh, that's cool. When is? Oh, that's like two years ago. Never mind." So today I want to talk about some stuff. I again, I'm not sure if this episode's going to go long or short. It always seems like I think it's going to go short, and then it's fine. So. Just a general personal update, I today went to my third laser hair removal appointment and it was much better than the last one. It still hurt, but it was fine. It was a different person doing it than the last two times. This appointment didn't last as long, so I'm not sure what i don't know it's such a weird process uh, you know i've i've been doubting whether i'm seeing any kind of progress at all up until about a week ago when i noticed that sort of the bottom half of my neck is now just sort of sans hair which is really cool and so i find myself like rubbing that part of my neck below my adam's apple pretty frequently cuz it's like oh god is this what My skin could feel like. So, that's nice. So, you know, after having two appointments... With them feeling like, "Oh, I'm not seeing any progress? Am I wasting my time? Did I just blow a bunch of money on and et cetera, et cetera?" So after that, it was sort of a good feeling. And again, like I've said a bunch of times in the past, i it takes time. Most people don't see like real serious progress until their third or fourth session. So, hopefully, since I'm over that middle hump and I've now had my third session, hopefully in a few weeks I'll see like a profound difference. That would be a really nice feeling. So the person who did my laser today said that I should probably shave two or three days before the the appointment and then let it grow. And... That seems counter to what I've said on this podcast and what my experience has been, and what the other laser person said. <laughs> laser person, <laughs> that's the uh, that's the official job title is uh, master of lasers. Oh, is that is that the degree you have to get to become a a, a laser hair removal person? Yes. Hello, I I'm a, a master of lasers. I'm working on my PhD. Photo h i don't know i can't i can't i'm not that clever i can't come up with a fun anagram what is the term whatever a bunch of letters are that you put together and decide that there are a bunch of other words fuck it whatever man i'm on really i'm really on top of my game today huh so yeah this person said that and her uh her reasoning behind that was that supposedly shaving too soon before a laser appointment makes your face more sensitive and makes the hair more prone to hurting. I don't know. I I just don't know what to make of any of the advice that I'm getting because I've read a bunch of different things. That particular thing that she said is not something that I've heard but I guess it makes sense. I don't know. I'm not a professional. I f- I fucking Googled it. Like, I can't say that I know more than she does. So it's weird. It's a weird sort of place to find oneself in. But this one was a short session that didn't hurt so bad. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, my face still feels kind of weird, it always does, after a laser appointment. Here's hoping that next next time I have much less that needs zapped. So I guess I'll go into a little bit of why this episode is late. I have had plenty of time to uh, record it, hypothetically speaking. I have had my notes of what I wanted to talk about ready for, I think, a week and a half? I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess it would be at this point. No, nah, just uh, about a week. It doesn't matter. It's this is irrelevant. Uh but I've been working on a bunch of things. Like last week was a mess for me. I so in between uh, those of you who have listened to other episodes of the podcast know that I have been working on a YouTube series, a sub-series of my larger series uh uh, of my video essays it's just about Twin Peaks and I released the first episode of that about a month ago and I'm real proud of that video and I'm really excited about the future of this Twin Peaks series however I recognize that Twin Peaks as a subject is very niche not necessarily something that everybody is super excited to watch a 40 minute video about let alone up to six potentially more equally long videos. So I'm trying to do different videos in between those to uh, break things up and give people uh, something else, you know, to, to, to have. So I actually did two scripts that I was ready to produce. One was about Netflix, the other was about the movie Tropic Thunder, and then I took to Twitter and put it up to a vote and uh, to my surprise, people picked the Netflix video. I was expecting Tropic Thunder, but I guess because I framed it as Tropic Thunder and racism, that I guess a lot of people are just tired of that discussion, which I have a different take on it that I haven't seen around before that I think is valuable, but I'll get to that eventually. So... I did this video, just complaining a little bit about Netflix, and that ate up a lot of my time. Like I spent all of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this past weekend just editing that video. Um, and like it's twenty minutes long, and it, this is, these are supposed to be like my interstitial videos that that don't take as long, so I have time to work on researching and stuff. And it still took me so long to get that video edited and out on time. It was actually technically a week late. So, you know, that tells you where I am. Um, It's just uh, there's a lot of things going on. You know, it's uh, towards the end of the semester for the school. So I've got a couple of big projects, uh, two big research papers that I'm working on. I'm also in the process of looking into going to grad school So I graduate in December, and uh, it would be nice to start grad school uh, in the fall of 2019. I think that would be pretty rad. Oh, uh, also, just as a general aside, uh, my birthday was this past weekend. It was Sunday. I celebrated my birthday by editing from dawn until dusk, uh, never once seeing the face or hearing the voice of another human being. It was it was very good. It it wasn't, it wasn't very good. But uh, I turned 29, so that's fun. The last year of my life, because everyone knows that once you turn 30, you have expired. You're no longer useful. So yeah, I'm looking into going to grad school, and uh, I've thought for a long time that I would probably end up going to grad school anyway, because you know, academia is just what I know. And I know that's a bad thing, that's a bad way to be, but um, I guess this kind of gets into what I really wanted to talk about today. So, since I came out and since I've been processing being transgender, like at this point, uh, I've been out for eight months, wow. Wow. So, yeah, it's been it's been a hot minute and uh as you have heard, if you've listened to the show from the beginning, a lot of things have changed for me already. Um my friend Emily on Twitter all, always uh has pointed out to me a lot uh, that my just the way that I confidently introduce myself in the intros of these episodes has changed quite a bit since the early episodes. Which is fun, you know, Um, and that kind of progress is part of why I started this podcast in the first place. Really, I should just have the podcast be me saying hello and welcome to the Trans Questioning Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Trans Questioning Podcast. I've been your host, Sarah, and goodbye. Uh, Just to hear how things change, you know, sure. (laughs) So since coming out, I've had... Uh, You know, I I was I was diagnosed uh, or provisionally diagnosed with bipolar two and with ADHD. So concurrent to the ADHD thing. So I had done disability testing. I I know I've told this story before. I'd done disability testing in the past, uh, like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And they came away from it. Uh, that first time I did the testing. uh, Basically, they they diagnosed me with major depressive disorder and said that I don't have ADHD. And that was very disappointing because I'd been on Adderall for a bit at that point, and it really felt like it was helping me. So with my new therapist, starting up again last year after a a year-long break from school, I told him about my my testing and he looked over the report and he felt that their findings were inaccurate. So he gave me, uh, he said that, uh, the, the tests definitely indicated ADHD. So he gave me a, a provisional diagnosis and also offered to re- redo the testing for free because I, they can't, you know rewrite the report and say no actually he, he they have ADHD look at me misgendering myself there I still don't. I don't have that internal thing yet where I feel that way about myself. I don't feel like a girl yet. Oh, fuck it, man. that's a whole other thing. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, yeah. So they offered to do the test uh, for free. Redo it because you know they can't just say and that that might cause complications in the future when I move somewhere else and they would have to call and verify with people. And if people will get a different job or retire or whatever, then things get more complicated. So I redid the testing and I was worried about it because it's, um, I mean, if, if it came up and he then said, actually, no, it's this person was right. You know, I've been back on Adderall along with uh, Lamotrigine as a treatment for my bipolar two, and it's been super helpful. It's been really, really good for me. So I was very afraid that uh, I would have at least the Adderall part of that taken out of the equation, but I got my test results back uh, last week or two weeks ago, and it was very much a relief. My therapist told me that the reason why I was the the ADHD diagnosis was not caught in the last test is that what they're looking for in terms of this particular IQ test is a large discrepancy between. Uh, I can't remember what the actual terms are, but it's basically. Uh, functional memory versus long-term memory. I, 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 whatever. The, the basic thing is that like my, my linguistic reasoning skills are, I think the term was, uh, uh, superior or very superior. It's like way super high, uh, not to brag, I guess, but it's fun. It's fun. It's just interesting that like, I, an IQ test is just a natural part of this and getting that back and saying, yeah, your, your language reasoning skills are in the top 1% of the world. All right, cool. I'll take that. Sure. I don't know what that means, which I, 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 <laughs> This is this is a tangent. I I love the people who say I have an IQ of whatever and that's why you plebeians are so much lower than me and it's like I have a pretty high IQ and I'm still a fucking idiot. Like I can't sometimes I can't find my phone after I've set it down in sight. Like Having an IQ doesn't make you a good person or a smart person or a functional human being. It just means that an arbitrary test has given you high numbers in a specific set of categorical measurements of highly subjective skills. So, you know, when I say I have what is termed as very superior language reasoning skills, whatever the fuck it's called... That's not me saying, oh, look at how smart I am. It's just I'm just relaying the facts of the the report, and I couldn't care less about that result. Except in that, in uh, comparing that and another point where I'm like in the 98th percentile, they – um there there are two others that are basically the measuring your ability to retain information over a long period of time. So those tests were like him reading out sentences and asking me random questions about certain things, certain details of those sentences. So it'd be like... James has five apples and Martha has two apples and he gives her three of his five apples, et cetera, et cetera, going on and then asking, you know, what is this thing from that sentence? How many apples did Martha have? Uh, and that's sort of like a basic like arithmetic question. But there are others that were just statements of facts like, This town was founded in this year by such and such person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, going on like a ridiculously long time and then asking you to to recite that information. All kinds of stuff like that. Uh, Also, another one was reading out strings of numbers and asking me to repeat them back to him uh, up to 12 points, 12, uh, 12 numbers, which I've struggled with after like six. And they're five even. And um, I don't think it actually went up to twelve. It went it went pretty. I think it went up to eight. Either way, it was it was tough. And then it got to a point where it's like, okay, now I'm gonna give you a bunch of numbers and I want you to say them back to me in sequential order, which was real fun. And then did it again. I want you to to say them back to me in the reverse of the order that I gave them to you. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't do super great in those tests. So the reason why my ADHD diagnosis was missed was that my language reasoning skills the and comprehension skills were in the 99th and 98th percentile overall, whereas the other two skills that were working in functional memory, I guess, were just average So when they're looking for ADHD, they're looking for a large discrepancy between those two groups of of tests, but in general, they're operating under the assumption that the scale will be skewed much lower as a result of ADHD, I guess. So this person was just looking at the height on top of the scale and not the discrepancy, and that was what was throwing off like this, this the the original uh, tester, where they would expect to see like language reasoning comprehension skills in like seventieth eightieth percentile. I guess I don't know how the percentile things thing works, but I assume that it's just the linear whatever. Uh, and then the other ones much lower on that scale, so uh anyway that aside like it was it was just a big relief to to get that information that now i have a, an official adhd diagnosis for the rest of my life hypothetically so that's i can't even begin to express how much of a relief that is where i can just take that you know wherever i end up from from now on and and have that just not have to worry about being judged for that, you know, or have to go through the process of getting that you know that that, that, that treatment approved, I guess. I don't I don't know. Anyway, whatever. That was that was it, was it was a good thing. So yeah, so since I started this whole process of of coming out to myself and slowly starting transition, I have changed emotionally in a lot of ways. I've matured a lot, I've gotten a lot healthier. I have been off my diet now for about two weeks, and I'm trying to get started again, but I have basically no money, because I paid for my Italy trip that I'm doing this summer, a study abroad. I got a scholarship for airfare, which I spent last night, got my tickets finally, and just paying for all this stuff is very expensive. But it's all paid for now, which is good, so I don't really have to worry about it, but I'm going to have to beg for money from some people because I cannot find a job. Anyway, so I may have mentioned in a previous episode that one of my professors, who is the head of our film studies program, pulled me aside one day after class and said he wanted to talk to me about grad school stuff. And so I scheduled a time with him and met with him in his office. And basically what that meeting was, was... um him wanting to say, you know, first off, here are the logistical, frightening, terrible things about grad school. There's a lot of abusive labor uh, in, in the sense that, you know, they're expecting you to potentially teach classes or at least TA classes. And the the expenses can be very high and it's it's not necessarily the best thing in a lot of ways the uh uh but it, it basically just giving me this big scare talk about you know the 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 cost is big in terms of time and effort and money, and also where where do you want to end up what is your your goal for going to grad school like if you're if you're doing film or media studies in general just getting an MA or an MFA is not enough. You want to go on to get a PhD because that's really the only way to become a a professor, generally. One of my favorite professors only has an MFA, but that's sort of a weird exception in that he is the most knowledgeable human being on the face of the earth. So I can't quite live up to that, necessarily. (laughs) So, you know, that's the thing is in terms of a long-term commitment that's a big deal where if if one is is wanting to get into media studies in the long term for the sake of research or becoming a professor one should expect, you know, a 10-year investment of time and effort before reaching any point of of I guess closure. I don't know uh, of that of that path. And at that point, that's just getting the job, really. And then from there, like that's just your life. I think, like everybody, I have severe career anxiety in that I don't like the idea of closing off any options to myself. Last night, I was thinking about this, just this thought: like, it, uh, if I'm going to be spending all of my time doing research and grading shit and teaching and all of that just over, you know, just in grad school. Am I going to have time to finally sit down and write any of my novels that I have been planning for years? (laughs) Am I going to have time to uh, uh, keep doing my YouTube show? But uh, the the YouTube show thing and this podcast are things that I am actually planning to integrate into whatever studies I end up doing because I'm intending one of the things that i'm looking into studying on the grad level at least is sort of youtube storytelling and particularly youtube criticism and and like understanding media through media there's sort of an interesting thing going on there that's not the point so he gave me this uh, the the big scare talk and then after that he said basically i give this talk to you because i think grad school would do. I think you would be very well suited for grad school. And I think you would be very successful there. And then offered to write a letter of recommendation for me and help go through all of my application stuff and make sure that everything looks good uh, in that regard, which is incredible. I, I, I am not wanting for professors to sing me praise as far as, you know, applying for a grad school, but to have the head of the FMS department, uh, give me that, that resource just out of the kindness of his heart is incredible. Um, which leads into sort of this whole thing. So I've been researching grad school and thinking about it and, um, having having doubts and wondering if it's what I want to do. And in that conversation, I was talking about, you know, this is kind of why I want to do the YouTube thing, because I like the freedom of it, and I like this thing, that thing, etc. Uh, I don't like a lot of aspects of academia. But he he said one thing that, that really hit me, where he asked, you know, so how much how much are people making? Is it like a comfortable living? Uh, probably not a lot of benefits, huh? And him just pointing out that, that the lack of, of benefits of like retirement or any sort of just, just anything. It's just a, it's just a gig economy thing. It's just paid up front based on whatever. There's no, there's no union. There's no anything. There's just getting that paycheck and that's, that's it. And I realized that I haven't really considered what my future would be. I haven't thought about, you know, saving for retirement or working towards like a a, a long-term career. And a big part of that, the, the whole thing, is that I have for the longest time just not cared about what happened to me. Like for me, I've I've let my debts stack up in a big way because I didn't care. Like, I just assumed, you know, either I'll just stay a student for the rest of my life and not have to worry about it, or I'll just die. Fuck it, you know, whatever, who cares? But just in the last eight months, I have really invested more into myself and become a lot more... Excited about my future and and feel like I have a reason to go to grad school and pursue a PhD and become a professor. Like it's something that I really care about. And just him saying that thing about benefits made me realize that I do really have something to live for now. I know I've pointed this out a million times on this show but that first feeling that I had after I came out to myself initially that that sort of like holy fuck do I have something to live for now like it, it just keeps proving to be true this this feeling that I want to now become like a successful gro- grown human being I guess and and i'm actively working towards becoming that in some way and i really feel like that's that 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 might solely be because of realizing that i'm i'm transgender and and working to start transitioning because it's not just it's so hard to describe this because it's so psychological it's it's like I finally understand my relationship with my body and my my disconnect. And, and, and I have a path to it and I under to, to fixing it. And I understand why I am in the position that I'm in. And uh, so, yeah, last week was, was tough because it was a lot of meeting with professors, talking about grad school. I've been trying to get as many perspectives on it as possible. So I didn't really have any free time because I met with people almost every single day of the week. And then as as the week was coming to an end, I needed to get that video edited because I was determined to make sure it came out on Monday. Which it did. Hooray! Um so last week, you know, I talked to a bunch of professors and I talked to another one yesterday. And what they all have said to me when I've expressed my sort of doubts and fears is that basically just straight up saying, i don't think you have anything to worry about one of my professors i asked uh well one of my i expressed this doubt that i have that uh i don't read enough i feel like i'm very behind in terms of reading and and there are so many like foundational film texts that i am just not familiar with and A lot of that has to do with the fact that nothing, a lot of things just don't really stick with me. Uh, Specific ideas tend to stick, but the 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 names and all of these things don't. And and I have very bad reading habits. I didn't. I I was late to learning how to read, and I have just a sort of subconscious association of reading with tedium. So it's very hard for me to make myself read. But when I said that, he laughed. When I said that like, I'm worried that I don't read enough, he laughed and <laughs> he just like, shook his head and said, like, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Uh, and then he clarifies, like, you know, maybe you're you're behind the curve in that way, but you're 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 you've put more thought into this than than most people that I know. So. That's affirming. I've, it's weird how talking about anything positive that relates back to yourself feels like bragging. Like I, I'm feeling guilty about expressing people praising me. I feel like I have to undercut that in some way. But it's like, fuck it, man. I, I've, I'm I'm proud of the fact that there's something that I'm very good at, and it's why I'm I'm wanting to pursue grad school and further study because it is kind of my only redeeming skill is, is thinking about and talking about media. And uh, my professors seem to agree. Well, they, they, they agree in this, in the sense that I'm, I'm good at that. they not necessarily that it's my only redeeming quality. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been really good to hear from all of my professors say, you know, I think grad school would be a good fit for you. And also, Another uh, a, a professor who I am friends with, who I've never been in a class that he has taught, he invited me to come to his class and give a talk and lead a conversation, a discussion. And he left the topic up to me. And so I came up with this lecture, I treated it as sort of a mock lecture because I've I've thought for a long time that I would enjoy being a professor, but I never had any experience with that, so I wasn't sure. I um, so I treated it like a mock, de- not uh, not a debate, a mock lecture, and I came up with a PowerPoint and I uh, used this uh, actually the uh, there's there's one of the episodes of this podcast I can't remember which one, but I started with a thought experiment about uh, two separate trans narratives talking about which one is problematic and how they're both problematic and um, the, the difficulties of parsing, you know, what makes the story problematic? Like everything is problematic. It's, it's about intentionality and all of this stuff. I'm going to edit. I recorded the audio of, of this, uh, of this conversation and I'm going to edit it into a video later on. And I'll, I'll, give you information on that whenever it's up if people care about that. But anyway, I, uh, uh, I went into that and I had a lot of fun. I, uh, I got to show them it, I, I, This is sort of what I really enjoy about like making videos and also just having these conversations in a sense, in a way where I'm kind of in control of what gets talked about, I guess, because I can bring in all kinds of weird ideas. So the general thing is like stories are problematic, you know, whatever, uh, and and discussing that. But in in that in that little uh, lecture, I talked about uh, Rainer Werner Fassbinder, who's a director who worked in Germany uh, in the '70s, and a film of his called Fox and His Friends. Uh, And uh, I also talked about quantum mechanics. I talked about compound versus simple interest. (laughs) I also talked about the kids are all right. And um, systems and larger patterns and uh, 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 pattern distribution and stuff like that and all of these things like i did it in a way that i felt like made sense and um everybody seemed to be on board there were a couple of people who were like nodding the whole time and after that was over i sat down and we talked about it and they were like immediately asking questions and and we went in hard on this discussion and it was great it was such a good time everybody was like really engaged and on board and then after the class was over and they left uh, the professor came up to me And he said, uh, you know, we've had I've had a a couple of different guests in this class and none of them have gotten people talking like you did. And that was such a cool thing to hear. And I've since run into a bunch of those people that were in that class on campus. And every single time they're like, hey, it's you. And they wave. And that's so cool to me that they like they recognize me and uh, like smile and like, oh, man, hello, you know. I, uh, anyway, the point is that that, that would just felt really good. And, um, it was, it was, it's been, it was really, it was an exhausting week last week, but it was very self-affirming in that it was a lot of adults telling me I'm good at, I'm good at this thing that I want to do. And then doing that thing and seeing for myself that like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I could enjoy it. And, and there's a part of me that's like, you know, uh, the the sort of throwaway classes that they make people who in lesser positions teach are sort of the intro to film and film history classes that anybody can take, so they tend to be really big. The thought of teaching one of those classes really excites me. Like I know it would be a pain in the ass, and you're dealing with a lot of people who just have no film literacy whatsoever. But the thing that I want to do is to get more people who aren't film students to appreciate film better. So like, that's, that's a, that's a challenge to me. Like that's a, that's a, that's an opportunity. So every aspect of it, like uh, I, 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 it really feels like the road that I want to go down, you know? And so I'm, I'm really feeling like I'm taking it seriously and it doesn't feel like I'm putting off responsibility to, uh, pursue this thing. It's like, no, there's a way that I can spend my life studying media and talking about it and sharing my enthusiasm with people, uh, without, you know, (laughs) without struggling, you know, for decades on my own. And who knows where, where things will end up in that regard. I mean, it would be really nice to wind up in a position of you know i get i get internet famous somehow my youtube show takes off and then i make enough through patreon that i can support myself full time that would be that would be amazing and i'm intending fully to keep up with the show and with the podcast as much as possible for the nearest near future um i am skeptical about what kind of legs the podcast has because uh, there's only so much transitioning that I will do <laughs> i want to cover all of the ground as much as possible but like even just you know going from uh, weekly to biweekly it's it, because the the process has slowed and sort of the the big the impact has already happened and now it's the fallout and the fallout takes longer and is less complicated well, it's just as complicated but i it, it's it's complicated in a simpler way <laughs> i don't know 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 but the uh just just uh, the thing is when you're trans and you don't know it, uh, if you're like me at all, you had a very strong disassociation from yourself that included any sense of your potential purpose in life and you know what you wanted to do, because everything is sort of hypothetical. Uh, it's all distinct from you in a way that is unhealthy and impossible to really engage with to some extent. Which is to not which is not to say that, you know, you, you can't succeed. I mean, I, I still was ending up in the I'm not fundamentally changing the direction that I want to go with my life since coming out to myself and since starting transition. The difference is I know why I'm doing it and I have a a plan and I have a sense of the future that I want to have. And it's because, like I said earlier, I understand my relationship with myself, with my my body, which sounds like a superficial thing, but it really isn't. Because when you don't feel attached to your body, when you're trying your hardest to disassociate from it, not only are you less healthy in general because you're not trying to take care of yourself, or you have no reason to want to try to take care of yourself. You also just you recede from the world as much as possible. You don't participate in it and and you become disconnected. And since coming out and addressing it, you know, I'm not on hormones yet. Hopefully that'll happen soon. I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen before August. But just that, just that realization and, and taking action, it it recenters you. If if you if you work on it, if you if you accept it and and build through it, you know, it it recenters you, and you start to understand better how, for lack of a better term, how normal people feel about life in general and you get a better ability to to live and so when it comes to talking about being trans there's a lot of talk about how dangerous it is and and you know you'll never be able to live up to the 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 version of the person that you want to be in your head, you know, you'll never have the perfect female body, you'll never be the right height because of her- hormones or any number of things, you know. And uh, there's also the focus on l- being alienated from your family, not being able to get a job, all kinds of different things. And that's all very true, and that's a huge part and I have absolutely no interest in diminishing the importance of both being aware of that and addressing it and even just you know letting people complain about it but there are benefits to coming out and to transitioning, and i wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for the world you know i I didn't want to be trans necessarily but I always was, (laughs) which is, I guess this is the first time that I'm like acknowledging that out loud, where this was always the thing that was going on with me. Like I was, uh, I was always like this and I just didn't know it. And, you know, it's not a matter of. I I don't want to be trans because it's inconvenient, it's dangerous, it's exhausting. I mean, it's all of those things. But I can't I can't help how I am. You know, if I were to try to change that or deny it. I mean, that's what I've been trying to do my whole life whether I knew it or not. And that's just fundamentally unhealthy. And I, in previous episodes, I've talked about how I have. Uh, when it comes to the way that people express dysphoria, I I don't know. I don't know what the right way to put it is, but I feel like there's an element to that of not learning to accept what your 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 body is, I guess, what, what you have to live with, you know? And I mean, there are things that I'll never be able to deal with. I really hate having hair and I sure hope that that goes away eventually, you know, but at the same time, there are things that I can't change and I could torture myself about it for the rest of my life, or I could accept that and learn to, to love these things as best I can because to some extent they are what make me me and you know I don't want to become a homogenous uh, store-bought woman that's a gross way to put that <laughs> I don't I don't want to fit the mold necessarily I've never wanted to fit the mold in my in my entire life uh, why would I want to start now I, you know I like the idea of passing um and and, and I'm, I'm going to try for that best I can but at the same time i don't want to waste all of this energy all of so much of my time and my life you know denying what is what is just a clear part of myself and in in accepting it and embracing it you know i've become a healthier person and i feel better about myself and i have a better relationship with my body and with the world in general and I'm, I, I feel like I'm improving a little bit every day and that's sort of the, the benefit of being of, of, of coming out to yourself as transgender if you're in a position like me where you've been in the closet for a very long time and sort of in denial for a very long time and so you know I feel good about my future I feel good about myself you know I'm I'm exhausted because, like I've said in the past, what I knew this year would be is a year of planning and literally transitioning in a number of ways, Uh, working on finishing school, working on turning my show into a... uh, a viable business practice, you know, sticking with the podcast, making plans to go to grad school, trying to start hormones, starting laser hair removal, all of these things, you know, they're, they're so exhausting and I generally am not a fan of, of having my future planned out. <laughs> but I'm doing it and and I've been able to keep up with it in a way that I never was before. And it's because of that embrace, you know? And so that's the moral of today's episode is I, 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 your mileage may vary, obviously, as far as, you know, the degree to which you will continue to hate yourself. <laughs> Lord knows I still have plenty of days where I feel like shit about myself. And. You know, I really need to get it back on my diet because uh, that's a huge part of my my mental health. I'm still not below 200 pounds since I, I basically like I weighed myself after hitting 200.8 and uh, I was at like 201 and I, I was just so exhausted by it. Like I just I just can't I need to take my brain off of losing weight for a minute. And so I went off my diet and enjoyed all of the things that I've missed, you know, for a while. And I've been off it for too long. And that's just a big, you know, mental health thing. But um, even still, and this, you know, this goes for anybody. It doesn't necessarily just apply to trans people. Learning to love the things about yourself that you hate is probably a good thing to try to do. Again, your mileage may vary. I'm not saying everybody should do that or has to do that. I think... People should try. I think you should try. You know, just think about it. But it's not always that easy. I mean, it's not even that easy for me. But I feel a lot better and I'm excited about the life that I'm living. You know, I'm I'm actually working towards something. I have a plan for myself in a way that I never did. I have a future. I have something to live for, and uh if you've ever felt that way where you, you you don't know who you are or what you want or where you're going or what your relationship with yourself is, you know maybe maybe learning to come out to yourself and 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 grow and accept these things. Maybe that'll help. Or maybe it won't. I don't know, man. But it sure is nice. (laughs) That's it. That's my schmaltz. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this podcast uh like i said at the beginning of the episode of course i thought that it wouldn't go long and yet here we are so uh, i can just talk forever if i want i should just stop thinking that i'm not gonna have enough to talk about anyway so just quickly plugging my garbage and hopefully you'll give me money or whatever or my or attention i have a patreon patreon.com ltas Your support there helps me have time to work on this podcast, work on my YouTube show, which is Let's Talk About Stuff, which is where the LTAS comes from. A dollar a month will give you access to my feed, whatever. Uh, That doesn't sound like a lot, but that's what makes up the bulk of Patreon people. Uh, Just people who have just give a dollar a month, uh, you know, I do that for a lot of people. And that makes up the bulk of a lot of people's support. Five dollars a month gets you access to all of... My notes and scripts and stuff for my videos, as well as like outtakes and deleted scenes, whatever from all of my videos. Ten dollars a month gets your name read aloud in the credits of the videos that I do. I recognize that all of that stuff is geared towards my YouTube show, and nothing's really geared towards my podcast. Which, arguably, uh, uh, I've been kind of surprised by the numbers that this show gets. It's pretty consistently better than I would expect. It's not astronomical, but it's uh, given my my experience with posting shit online uh y'all are super supportive in a way that i wasn't expecting and so i guess having a niche helps anyway uh yeah so uh i recognize that that's not podcast specific stuff but it still really helps me and i post about the podcast there too and i think that you know there are videos that i do that address a lot of stuff that are that's related to the show actually My uh, Twin Peaks series that I mentioned before, a big part of the story that I'm trying to tell with those videos, and this is a bit of a spoiler, so hot take here. Big scoop for you. Nice little behind-the-scenes action. Uh, A big part of the story that I'm trying to tell with with those videos is about being transgender and realizing I was transgender at the same time as watching David Lynch's stuff. And I'm excited about that story because it's going to be... Real fucking weird. Anyway, on top of that, you can find me on Twitter at HMSNoFun. There's also the TransQ Podcast Twitter. I don't use it as often, but if you just want to hear like when just updates about the show, that's a good place to follow. Also, there's an email address transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions, if you have stories, if you have thoughts or opinions or counter arguments, if you're a really cool, famous person who wants to come on the show, send me an email. And I'll read your shit on the on the podcast, I'll discuss it, uh, if you send me an audio recording, assuming it's not just garbage or hateful nonsense, I'll play it on the show, whatever, man, transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com, please do that, uh, if you can. Uh, yeah, uh, links and shit are in the description, and... Thank you for listening, <laughs> and I'll see you again in, in the future. God, this show's a mess. Why does anybody listen? <laughs>